Hi, Grace. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we are grateful for your presence in our lives. We are grateful for your word. And God, we ask that you would speak to us. And we ask that you would give us the ability and the strength to hear. Lord God, I pray that we would experience your gentleness in our lives, your goodness, your faithfulness. And I know that, that, that we can often believe that that is true, uh, but I do ask that, that in some ways, even small ways, uh, we, would, we would experience uh, that goodness, experience your gentleness, experience your presence with us. God, I pray that, that this morning that we might be shaped and transformed through what you have to say to us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're continuing in this series where we're talking about the vine in John 15. And uh, there, I, I suggested last week that, that John 15 uh, verses 1 through 17 uh, is, is a passage that, that I think is important for us to, to consider as we go into this new year, as we go into 2021, uh, that this passage reminds us of, of some core truths, some core components um, of our life with God, of our following Jesus. And I'd encourage you to spend time in this passage, spend time in John 15, uh, spend time thinking about it, reading over it, spend time considering how you might make this passage part of your prayers, part of your conversation, ongoing conversation with God. And I suggested that as we look at John 15, that there, are, that there are three things that we can see, three promises. It's the promise of Christ's presence, the promise of Christ's love, and the promise of Christ's glory. That these three promises show up as we encounter and engage with this passage. And these are promises to hold on to and to take with us into this year. Again, that's the promise of Christ's presence that Christ is the vine, that the Father is a gardener, the promise of Christ's love, that it says in chapter 15, verse 9, that as the Father has loved me, this is what Jesus is saying, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. That Jesus loves us with the same love that he experiences with the Father. Do not take that lightly. Also, the promise of Christ's glory that this is moving toward, this is leading toward Christ being glorified, being glorified um, through our life together as his disciples. So look for these things, look for these promises, take seriously these promises, pray through these promises. Now last week we looked at, we looked at uh, this idea of pruning, uh, and before that we looked at Christ being the vine, that Christ calls himself the vine, and that we are his branches. And I suggested last week that Christ naming himself the vine is really connecting himself to the larger story of Israel. Israel was, was referred to as a vine. 
was referred to as, as something like a tree that would grow. And they were intended to be something that after God rescued them from, from Egypt, they were intended to, to bear witness to him in the world, that through them, as, as God promised Abraham, the world might be blessed. And we see, we see that through their rebellion, through their rejection of God and his ways, that there was a real failure to live out the calling they were given. But Christ himself saying that he is the vine, we know that Christ, Christ is the true Israel. As the vine, Christ is the embodiment and actually the fulfillment of what Israel was always intended to be. That through Jesus, God is going to bless the world. Jesus is also saying by, by referencing himself as the vine, he's saying, I am the trunk, I am the core, I'm at the very center of what God is doing. Again, this references, as I said last week at the beginning of the story in Genesis, where we, we see a tree there as a representation both of, of, of God wanting to be the center of meaning, the source of knowledge, and humanity's rebellion of letting God be that for them. And so Jesus saying that he himself is a vine, is saying, I am that center. I am that renewal. I am the source of life and meaning. We also saw in this idea of pruning, that this is this is the idea of catharsis, of cleansing. And that pruning, though severe, pruning, though, might, might mean a whole lot of work, sometimes pain, sometimes grief. It is for the sake of bearing fruit, that no branch, as we see it here in life on the vine, is untouched. It is either removed or it is pruned. And how can we endure the pruning? How can we be people who remember what the pruning is for? Well, we remember who is doing it, the Father, the worker of the ground, the gardener. We remember that we are being pruned by the Father, the one who is committed to us and loves us. And we remember what the pruning is for. It is for the glory of Christ, so that Christ becomes glorified in who we are, often through our weakness. And that through our embodiment together, we then bear witness to his love through our love as disciples for one another. We become a witness to the world of who God is, what he's like, who Jesus is, and what Jesus is like. And so this week, we're going to move from, from talking about Christ as the vine and pruning to talking about this idea of abiding, of remaining. So this word, abiding, it comes up 11 times in this passage 11 times in the first 11 verses, which is to cue us in on the fact that this, this is a big deal. This is something we need to pay attention to. And so we're going to be looking at this idea of abiding, and we're going to be looking at three things regarding this abiding. We're going to be looking at the meaning of abiding, the texture of abiding, and the practice of abiding. So the meaning and the texture and the practice of abiding in John 15, in verses 1 through 11 specifically. And so the meaning of abiding, what does this actually mean? So we see John 15, starting in verse 3, you have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So this word abide, the Greek word here is meno. Now, this Greek word meno means to dwell. It means to take up residence in. This is different than 
an occasional visit. So Jesus is talking about abiding in Christ, abiding in him, dwelling in Christ, taking up residence in Christ. This is not like an Airbnb type, type spirituality. This is not an Airbnb type of Christian life. This is actually a moving in, making Christ one's home. Now think about that for a minute. Think about that idea for a minute of taking up residence in Christ, of making Christ one's home where one dwells. Now, if you're in a home or if you live in a home or if you live in a space that you've been in for a while, then it becomes, it becomes something that you inhabit. It becomes something that's a part of you. And it begins to shape you and it begins to form you. See, what's really wonderful about this is Jesus is saying to abide in him, to dwell in him as he abides in us. So the, the, what makes it actually possible for us, to, for us to take up residence in Christ is the fact that he has already, by virtue of his presence, taking up, taken up residence with us. Now, this goes back to John 1. This goes back to John 1, this idea of, of God taking on flesh and making his home among us. I mean, that's what it says in John chapter 1, that because Jesus has made this possible, because Jesus is the one who abides in us, we are able to abide in him. So this idea of dwelling, of taking up residence, there's this sense of mutuality that is here. Again, verse 4, abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and it withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So there's this mutuality going on in terms of Christ abiding with us and our abiding in Christ. There's this back and forth, this togetherness, but it's only because of Jesus that we are actually able, it's actually possible to abide in Christ. Jesus makes this possible. I mean, again, going back to the beginning of John 15, in verse 3, you have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. So Jesus has already created the conditions that make abiding possible. Because Jesus has moved toward us, has linked himself to us, we then have the opportunity to be linked with him. Marianne Mai Thompson, in her commentary on the Gospel of John, which is very helpful, and I'll reference her a couple times. She says this, in other words, the relationship of mutual abiding that Jesus calls for is not a relationship of equals or of equal contributions. Jesus's indwelling makes abiding and obedience possible because he is the life of the Father given to the branches. Now, why is this so important to remember? Because I think it's easy to remember when we talk about the spiritual life, when we talk about things like, like Jesus' words, his exhortation to abide in him as he abides in us, it's easy to forget 
that Jesus has already made the first move. And it's easy to forget that spirituality is in our life with Jesus is not about being sure and being certain that we are doing the right things so that Jesus loves us more or will love us more or will remain connected to us, that actually the whole Christian life is one of response to what God has already done in Jesus. Now, isn't that freeing? That the Christian life is one of response. Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. Now, I don't know what shape your life with Jesus takes, but perhaps you need to remember, you need to hear the truth this morning. That Jesus, that Jesus has moved toward you. If you've placed your trust, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, Jesus abides in you. And we have the opportunity to respond in our abiding with Christ. See, central to this, to this passage and central, central to, to Christian faith, uh, as we see in the New Testament, is this mystery that when we submit ourselves to the person of Jesus, when we attend to his presence and follow his ways, then our life becomes inex- inexorably linked with Christ. That it, it, becomes, it becomes connected. In a way, there's like a, f- a fusing together. And, and the Bible tries to get at this, and it's often mysterious language. I mean, even in John 15, it's mysterious language. Abide in me as I abide in you. But Galatians 2.20 says, and this is the Apostle Paul saying, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So again, this sense of, of of life with Jesus being so closely linked that Paul says it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 gets at it this way. Um, So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Again, this connection, this, this, this linkage that happens in the Christian faith because of what God has done in Jesus by the ongoing work of the Spirit is there's this relationship. There's this something like a dance that is taking place. And I want to talk about that dance a little bit later. But see, in this abiding, in this, this, this Christ being committed to being linked with us, is what makes fruit possible. And we see this in John 15. We see that this sense of, of being connected to Jesus produces this fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches, it says in verse 5. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. It will be said again the next couple weeks. The fruit that is produced happens because of the life that is given by the vine. The fruit that is produced happens because of the life that is given by the vine. Fruit is not something that we we are trying to manufacture 
within our own selves, out of our own strength. No, the fruit that takes place is by virtue of finding one's complete and utter life, their source of meaning from the vine, from Jesus Christ himself. So what is the exhortation? Abide in Christ as he abides in us. Then you will bear much fruit. Remember that. That is so freeing. That is so wonderful. That is so beautiful. It becomes an opportunity. It becomes a gift. It becomes a life that we are called into and invited into. Because of God's grace and mercy, we can be fruit-bearing. I mean, we have the opportunity to be fruit-bearing. Leslie Newbegin, a missionary, he said this, The fruit is not an artifact of the disciples. It is the fruit of the vine. It is the life of Jesus himself reproduced in the lives of the disciples in the midst of the life of the world. The presence of fruit is the visible evidence of the fact that the branch is part of the vine. Again, this fruit is produced because of the abiding, because of the remaining connected because of the dwelling and taking up residence in the person of Jesus. So that's the meaning of abiding. So what's the texture of this abiding? Like what are some of the components of what this abiding entails? Because we see that it's not only Jesus's commitment to being linked to us that is part of John 15, but it's the constant exhortation to remain with Jesus. And so what is that remaining mean? Well, I'd like to suggest two things. It's the idea of receptivity and of perseverance. That the texture of abiding entails being receptive to the ongoing work and life of Christ, and it's persevering, being faithful, being steadfast to walk in the ways of Jesus. So receptivity and perseverance. Again, Marion Mai Thompson says this, receptivity characterizes the entire life of the disciple from beginning to end. So what, what shape might it take to abide? It means to be continually receptive to the life that comes from Jesus, to the life that comes from the vine. This entails a surrender. This entails an entrusting one's life completely and utterly to Jesus all the time. being receptive and open to the life-giving presence of Jesus. Now, if you were to think about your life now, your life with Jesus now, could it be characterized by this sense of, of being receptive to the ongoing work and life of Christ? Are you receptive to what Christ might be up to in your life? Are you open to it? Have you surrendered yourself to it? There's also this sense of perseverance, of remaining steadfast, of being faithful. As Jesus says in John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in in his love. Now, this conditional language might create a sense of, of, of tension 
perhaps of anxiety or worry. Wait, so is, 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 there, is there something conditional about receiving the love of Christ and my, my life? Well, the way that the scriptures talk about it seems to suggest that, that there is, again, as I said before, a dance that is constantly going on between Jesus, between the work that God is doing in Jesus, offering himself to you, and our willingness to surrender to what is being offered and to the love that Christ has. So there's this, this constant God opening himself up to you and our, as his people, receiving what God wants to give. But this is not actually, I don't think Jesus is saying this to create a sense of anxiety for the disciples, nor should it for us. This is not about creating a burden. This is about offering a promise. It's not about burden, but about promise. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. It's the sense of, if you're abiding in my love, then you will keep my commandments. It's just the way it goes. It's like if you have a dance partner. I'm not a dancer. I mean, I could dance, but it's not something I do all the time. But when you're dancing with another person and when there is music and you're trying to move, typically there is somebody who is leading what is going on and there is another partner who is responding. And you know when you are out of sync and you know when you are not, not able to live or to dance within, within the rhythm that is given, and you go one way and, and, and the other person goes another way. So life with, with Christ is, is like a dance where, where God, through Jesus, is constantly opening himself up to you and offering the person of Jesus and his life uh, and his presence to you. And then there's, we are... We are to receive and to be open to what God is doing. And again, the scriptures, the way they even talk about it, it's, it's mystery. It's mutuality. It's, it's a dance. First John, another, this is a gospel of John, First John, a letter of John says this in chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. Now by this we may be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. So again, obedience reveals knowing. Now this we may be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not obey his commandments is a liar. And in such a person, the truth does not exist. But whoever obeys his word... Truly in this person, the love of God has reached perfection. By this, we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk just as he walked. So the sense of abiding in Jesus is to walk in the way that Jesus walked, is to follow the way that Christ presents and offers, to go into the type of life that Jesus invites us to live to practice, to imagine. See, in the script, and again, in the New Testament, the, some of the language that gets picked up here is this idea of walking in the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 16, and also verse 25, there is the language of walk in the Spirit or live by the Spirit. 
It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by, keep in step with the Spirit. So again, there's this, the work that the Spirit of doing is doing, but then there is, there is our participation in that work. Again, there is the work that the Spirit of God is doing, and there is our participation in that work. Greg Boyd, a pastor, says this, We live in Christ to the degree that we surrender our will to him moment by moment. Christ is our home to the degree that we are aware, moment by moment, that we are surrounded by, indwelt by his perfect love. So the goal of our life must be to align our hearts and our minds moment by moment with the in Christ new address we receive when we surrender to Christ. And as we remain aware and surrender to Christ moment by moment, we bear fruit of Christ. As we abide in him and he in us, his loving, self-sacrificial character, as well as his joy and peace become ours. So he uses this image of, of when, we, when we are taken up into the life of Christ, when we surrender ourselves to Christ moment by moment, we are beginning to live in the new address that we've, that we've been given by virtue of, of, of finding our life in Jesus. That we are taking up residence in Christ and that it requires a moment by moment surrender, an ongoing posture of dependence, of surrender, and of trust to the work of Christ in our lives. Now, I read how somebody else put it, is, is that, that what God is doing all of the work. The Christian, what we are being asked to do is to let that work have its effect, overwhelm us, and begin to shape and form us. So God is the one who holds us because of Jesus. We are being asked to allow ourselves to be held onto by God. Now, if you were to use the image of, of, of a relationship, that there are always two components to a relationship. There's always, there's always the loving and there's always the receiving love. And you need both for a relationship to actually flourish and to work. One person can always be attempting to and trying to love, but unless that person is receptive and open and letting themselves be loved, it doesn't work. There's a dissonance. The relationship can't actually grow. It can't actually flourish. And so God is constantly moving toward, toward us. Jesus is the vine. We are being asked to remain on the vine, to abide, to walk in the way that Jesus walks, to walk in the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. So what might this look like? So we've talked about the meaning of abiding. We've, we've talked a little bit about the texture of abiding. So what is the practice, like an, an actual our life right now practice of abiding? Now I'm going to give you a specific practice toward the end, but first I want to say just a couple of things. One is it's, it's, it's an ongoing trust that Christ is with you. Part of the practice on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis, is trusting 
that Christ is with you, actually attending to that presence. Because you might be saying, Daniel, this sounds great. This moment-by-moment surrender sounds awesome, but I also have a job. I have kids, and they're doing school at home, and there's like constant noise, and I also have, have responsibilities outside of that, and there are lots of things I'm trying to do. Are you asking me to, to stop all of that and to become a monk? That's exactly what I'm asking you to do. No, not really. I'm not asking you to stop everything and become a monk. What I'm actually suggesting is that it's within those, those ordinary things, the things that we are doing all the time, that, that Christ is already with us. We can attend to his presence there. I remember reading a book um, at the end of high school, beginning of college, called Practicing His Presence, which was a reference to, to Brother Lawrence and his work on practicing the presence of God. And it was co- co-written, or at least it had some, some, some words by, by a missionary named Frank Laubach. And this book was, was honestly, in a lot of ways, transformative then, because it, it speaks of Brother Lawrence as, as a as a, a monk figure who, who is attending to the presence of Christ all the time. And one of the images that I remember so clearly is this image of washing dishes, that even washing dishes, Brother Lawrence would, would, would attend to the presence of Christ even in that ordinary mundane act. So I'm not actually asking you to drop your life and the things that you do. What I'm asking you to consider is that Christ is with you in those things? What would it actually look like while you're working or while you're going to work, while you're with your kids? What would it look like occasionally to attend to the presence of God in that moment? What would it look like to surrender your will in that moment? And actually inviting Christ to be present with you in whatever it might be. I mean, think about the shape of your life from beginning to end in a day. And consider the fact that Christ is with you in all of that. He is abiding in you. What might it look like for you to turn your attention to him? even given the shape of your day and the obligations and the expectations. What this might also reveal is that there are habits, there are patterns of your life that work against this abiding. That though Christ is abiding in you, and you want to abide with Christ, but then you, you begin to realize, wait, there are, there are certain things about your life, certain things about your days, certain habits that you've lived into that you need to let go of, that actually work against the abiding, against the remaining, against the taking up residence in Christ. Perhaps these are patterns or habits of addiction, patterns or habits of lust, maybe sexually, even financially, patterns or habits of pride, arrogance and ambition like these are things that that are are in our lives that actually work against our ability to attend to the presence of Jesus because they don't they don't belong in 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 the home that one is trying to make in Christ now if you if you 
discover that there are things apart about your life, habits about your life that prevent you from being able to abide with Christ and receive the love that he is so freely and generously offering, I encourage you, don't hesitate. Talk to another brother or sister in Christ. Confess. Not so that God will love you more, because God already does. Not so that Jesus will actually want to be around you more, because Jesus already does. But so that you might be able to abide with Christ. That you might be able to be receptive to what God is already doing in Jesus. Now, other ways of going about, about this is, is that there are ways of perhaps ordering our days and our hours so that we are, that we are attentive to Christ throughout the day. Some people, and even in Jewish life, there was a shape to their day where they would pray at least three times a day in, in, in the evening and then in the next morning and then the next afternoon where there are these ideas of, of just stopping and of acknowledging, God, that there would, there would be a, a way of their life being shaped that they were attending to the presence of God. Because what, what this is ultimately about is what it speaks of in, in 1 Corinthians 10.31 and Colossians 3.23 is, is doing whatever we're doing, eating, drinking, working as if unto the Lord. I mean, this is, this is really what the life uh, uh, with Jesus is, is about, is, is doing all that we are doing unto the Lord as Christ abides in us and as we abide in him, our whole life is being lived in such a way that we are being shaped and formed by the ongoing work and presence of the Spirit. Now for a specific practice, I'm going to encourage you to try. Is, is this is to wake up and attend immediately to the presence of God. Now, I mean literally, like not, not like metaphorically wake up, but like actually literally wake up. When you wake up, attend to the presence of God. Now, the Psalms speak of this. Actually, if you were to read some Psalms, there's, there's constant talk about my prayer in the morning is, or I look to you in the morning. I mean, there's this sense of attention being drawn to God first thing upon waking. And this is something that, that honestly, I've, I've been trying to live into uh, and something I've been trying to at least shape the beginning of my day around is, is waking up uh, to, to God's presence and attending to God's presence immediately. Because if you, if you were to just be honest about the, sh the shape of your life and what you do when you wake up, what's the first thing you do? Like, what's the absolute first thing you do? What do you reach over to do? Either grabbing your phone, turn off an alarm, check your email, check the news. I, I don't know what it is you do. I know for me, is, it was just so easy to... to uh, to look, to look at my phone and then all of a sudden you, you, you kind of fall down a rabbit hole potentially of, of, of just things that, that sort of bring you into the day that, that probably shouldn't. So actually taking seriously, what, what, is it the, what is the first thing that you do? 
And then perhaps replacing that with the practice of acknowledging the gift of another day. So waking up to God's presence and attending to God's presence of acknowledging the gift of another day. So here's what I've, here's what I've attempted to do is, is to by waking up to God's presence is I've taken Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and I've tried to turn it into a prayer that it becomes the first thing I pray in the morning. Before I do anything else, just my eyes open, and this is the first, the first thing I want to pray. And I offer this to you. And it goes like this. God the Father, Son, and Spirit, thank you for the gift of another day. I want to follow you into the ease and the burden of whatever today brings. Help me surrender to your will that I might walk and work with you. Help me be receptive to your word and your ways that I might learn from you the unforced rhythms of grace. Help me be attentive to your presence that I might keep company with you and discover your rest for my soul. Amen. This is something I'm attempting to pray at the beginning of every day. Acknowledging the gift of another day, but also praying into the postures and the rhythms that I'd like to have throughout my day. That's just a simple practice. Now, there are other practice I could, practices I could suggest, like another thing I'm attempting to do. And again, I'm hedging here because it's, these are attempts. These are things I'm, I'm, I'm trying, that I feel invited into, to wake up to and to attend to God's presence, to have an ongoing conversation with God throughout the day. So this is something I try to do in the morning. Another thing I try to do in the evening is, is what you might have heard of as like the daily examine, where you, where you just take, take a few minutes and try to work through your day of the places where you might have encountered the presence of God, the ways that you might have wronged God or others, and then confess, and then even turning your attention to hope on the next day and committing yourself again to the care and the provision of God. But I want you to, I want you, I'm really asking you, give it a shot of perhaps of waking up to your day in a different way. And if you want to use the prayer that, that I have been trying to pray that I give to you, do it, steal it. Perhaps there are other passages, maybe even John 15 is another passage that you are wanting to turn into a prayer. But I encourage you to do it. It's a small thing. But I think it's a way of beginning the day of wanting to abide in the presence of Jesus. Again, Jesus says to us, abide in me as I abide in you. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me, verse 7, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. May we be people. May we be people who take seriously with our entire lives. that the person of Jesus Christ is actually present with us, is abiding with us, and invites us to abide in him.
May we be people who take seriously the fact that Jesus loves us, loves me, loves you in the same way that he is loved by the Father. And may this dance that we've been invited into with the person of Jesus produce an incredible amount of fruit in our lives, fruit of joy, the fruit of love for one another, the fruit of bearing witness to the world of what God has made possible in Jesus. My friends, God is inviting you into life on the vine. Surrender and trust yourself to Jesus. Thanks be to God.